Okay, so question. Ranjan Mahabur writes, the true power of the chitta's own nature is that it knows and does not die. Could you tell us <laughs> how you understand does not die? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's his phrase, but um, what is dying? What dies? What is it that dies? What is dying about? Has anybody done it recently? Anybody have an idea what that is? Uh, fading of the sense faculties? Ceasing of the bodily functions? Anything else? Loss of rational activity? Okay, so all that we can, which we can probably detect. Uh, and then you have a corpse. Um, where's jitter in all that? Mm. So if it's bonded to, if it's bonded to the senses, then jitter at the time of death, the jitter will be extremely agitated and confused by the fading of the sense faculties that it's been resting on by the fading of perceptions that it's been bonded to, by the fading of thinking and mental activities that it's been bonded to. And therefore, when these things start to fall away, you'll be extremely agitated and confused and disoriented. And in that state, um, um, then it, it, it seeks uh, and try, goes into another birth. <laughs> so... You know, the dying from the chitta's point of view is this extremely um, dislocating, disorienting process, fearful and and um, shocking and so forth for the untrained chitta. So in this chaotic state, you know, its fundamental passion and craving has not abated, so it lunges out and picks up another set of aggregates or another potential for rebirth and that's called that's called dying it doesn't really die it just goes through a death process and comes out the other side as it were to something else so it does not die which is not bonded to sense faculties uh, bodily or function sense of a body psychological activities when those pass away it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't reach out, it doesn't run back, it doesn't stir around, it doesn't go anywhere. So where did it go if it doesn't go anywhere? It went to it went to nowhere. Where's that? <laughs> so you can't you can't detect it with the senses because it's not in that realm. <laughs> and so when the Buddha was asked uh, what happens to the the, the jitta, the enlightened jitta, when he dark, when he passes away? He just said, "Can't." Said silence. Said because when I say it exists somewhere, you'd be wrong, because you think it would be some kind of state of existence with feelings and perceptions and consciousness. If I said it doesn't exist, that wouldn't be quite right either. So I just don't say say you can't. Where does a fire go when it goes out? Yeah. It's just gone beyond this particular, or 
this particular realm has fallen away from it. This set of concoctions has dropped away from it. Look at it that way. Mm. I have another question here. I have this experience of something that sees and receives experience. This is easier when things are quiet. I easily lose it in stimulation. Is this the chitta? Yes, this is chitta. It's essentially, it receives, it's like a, an open space, but it's not a space, it's like an open intelligence that is touched and often subtly shimmers or vibrates with experience. And then it can easily run forward or run back or get stirred or it could just allow the shimmering to pass through it and remain stable. And it's knowing. It's knowing. The word knowing is, is a confusing word because it's not thinking. It's just there's a... Mm, this is being experienced. In stimulation, it's still there, but it's so mingled and mixed up, you don't have that same sense of like an open uh, intelligence that's receiving things because it's all, you know, that, that is all mingled, as the Ajahn says, it's all intermixed with everything. And what he's suggesting is that even then, for the person who has developed that, uh, then even when there is all this thoughts and feelings going on, essentially jitta remains in that state, in that open state. It's not shaken, it's not stirred. And wisdom brings forth the response rather than reaction. Always nice to add that there is a possibility we don't have to live in suspended animation. There is a possibility for response. But the response is often unusual, often unpremeditated. Like, you know, the famous kind of archetype of the of the you know, inscrutable master who does strange, crazy things or things that you didn't expect because they're never coming from a fixed pattern. They haven't got a fixed pattern. They just this response happens to them. It arises from a place of wisdom and compassion. It doesn't arise from some preset strategies. They haven't got a book. Yeah. So sometimes they say nothing. Sometimes they say a lot. Sometimes they joke. Sometimes they scold. Sometimes they, you know, do Zen master things, put shows in their head or whatever. And my my experience is that. Most of these people who've had realizations, they're rather like that. They're kind of unpredictable what's going to come out of them. <laughs> because they, they haven't got a set piece. You can't find where they are, where their stand is. Because they don't have one. <laughs> they just open and see what happens. Jitta, according to the forest Ajahn, sounds like what the Tibetans call mind itself. Yeah, I think there are things that depends about three words for mind, and I've forgotten what they are. <laughs> but I understand like Rigpa is one which is to do with a state of clear awareness. And, and so I think there are three different words. Sems, I believe, is one, three words for mind. Uh, so in, in, in this Pali lineage, you have Mano and Jitta. 
but in 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 certainly in, in later Buddhism they develop quite a few different subdivisions or different ways of talking about this cognitive or awareness experience. Uh, mind itself is more fundamental, luminous and clear. That's the understanding. I think nearest Western word is nous. Nous, which isn't that common a word. Uh, it's Greek. It comes from the Greek. It's a kind of a knowingness. Uh, spirit. Another term that can be waved in because it takes something more mysterious, uh, more sacred, more uh, less domesticated. Uh, you know, this is, uh, and it's uh, got an energy to it, um, not associated with you know a learned, educated mind the domesticated mind that's been inducted into all the social paradigms we call education <laughs> it's this is the the free mind the free spirit is pure chitta synonymous with pure knowing yes i would agree with that too i mentioned storms passing through and your reference to suicide this occurs when the storm does not pass yeah it occurs when the the, the chitta uh, has these extremely uh, in, intense wrappings. Um, so this means actually it, it bonds to the storm, so it doesn't let the storm pass, because it's it's got this stuck quality to it. So a person might be you know, pretty open in some places, but also some deeply stuck places where they just the emotions can't move through; they just bind. Because the chitta can't open, it's so, it's so uh, frightened or closed or um, intense, it just can't open up. And then this is where the storm doesn't pass, it, it, it's, it gets in there and bites. Um, and sometimes it just does pass, but it, you know, the, person, the person who kills himself can't bear to be with it any longer. Or it's so repetitive, it? or not another one of these, I've had it. Particularly if, if uh, you know, the jitta in its conditioned state, of course, it gets conditioned, it gets wrapped up, bonded, bound, and can be extremely distorted and even kind of broken. So psychosis, for example, is when you can't form a centre. So you know, this is when the jitta is really broken so to say the jitta is essentially absolute and free is true but but at the same time <laughs> uh, it, it does get bound up these adventitious defilements can be like clouds but they can also be like vines that bind around and throttle if, if they're allowed to embed long term and are not uh, cleaned then it can drive people crazy and sometimes it's not because of even what they've done, but what, what their jitta has had to experience through the acts of others. Mm. Yeah. And people can be driven insane through torment, trauma. Mm.
we in this these kind of uh, difficult experiences, then meditation isn't going to be the answer, not the immediate answer. The immediate answer is noble friendship, because then somebody's jitter that's healthier can resonate with the unhealthy jitter, and gradually, rather like a, you know, a, a tame horse would lead a wild horse, or a, you know. A, a healthy person could pick up a drowning person, carry them into the shore. So it is that strong, healthy jitta can connect to a, a, a confused or distressed jitta and uh, and steady it. And this is manifestly true. We see it all the time, just in friendships, in companionships, in just being with people who are suffering with grief and just biding time with them without even doing anything, just Chitta recognizes another chitta and there's an empathic, empathetic bonding that can occur. And this definitely helps to stabilize people in their stress. Um, sometimes people need more than that. They, they, there's the, the vines around their heart, the tangles have got so dense they can't even hear anybody, they can't feel anybody, and they're really very difficult. And you do need, you know, some very professional skills and maybe even, you know, medication or something to to try to you know come out of that um, and as, as we see these uh these experiences are by no means we all know what we're talking about you know this is not like well i've never heard of that it's it's pretty common you know not just suicide but depression um, mental disease mental afflictions attention disorder um people having crazy, crazy, crazy experiences, losing it altogether. Uh, people with narcissistic, psychotic tendencies, you know, people, serial killers who are just demented. And wow, you know, why, where's that all come from? You know, it's easy to point the finger, but we say, well, we're living in a particular atmosphere that jitters pick up, which is probably, probably not very healthy. And they, they do buckle under the strain. You know? I mean, a good proportion, well, not a good proportion, but a proportion of people who come to monasteries, you know, are actually on the edge. That's why they come. And um, looking for somewhere quiet. And they can't always make it because they have um, psychological problems that don't get dealt with by you know, going away, but actually have to be dealt with in engagement. Uh, so meditation alone, well what you know, just being quiet alone is not not necessarily adequate adequate remedy. Uh, and so in particularly in our training, the training is pretty multifaceted and sometimes it's quite light. Just go out and just chop some logs, you know, and be with other people and just be easy. Don't get so intense, you know. And, you know, just do some chanting. It sounds kind of like so what, but it's it's just coming out of the intense self enclosure into something communal and shared. So we're just continually encouraging the chitta to open in a relaxed, easy, non-pressurized, non-dramatic way. So that then all round, that's 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 the kind of strategy. So the chitta is much more soft and open then we don't have to get so intense in meditation because then the jitter is clear, it can touch things lightly. 
So sometimes this removing of the wrappings is done by, you know, noble noble contact. As it says, you know, the path begins, says, you know, the first form of nourishment, true nourishment, is finding good people. The first factor of awakening, find some good people. Find good people, you're going to get some good advice, good dhamma. Get some good advice, your faith will arise. Faith will arise, you get some sense of conscience and concern, moral sense, moral conscience. That's occurring, you're going to get some sense of restraint. That occurs, you begin to be more mindful. That occurs, you begin to dispel the five hindrances. That occurs, you're going to have strong mindfulness. That occurs, you're going to get some samadhi. That occurs, you're going to get, you know, it all feeds up. But it starts very humbly with just get to some good people, first of all. Don't just sit on your own in your own stuff, you know. Uh, and it's it's beautiful that this kind of seemingly humble sense of, of good people. Good people is not humble. It's something we should not take for granted. And you know, people you can rely on and trust and feel comfortable with. And just sensing it's that basic, you know, it's that basic. The jitta can, can just come can experience the not at some profound elevated level. That will take care of itself. You come to the earth level. Right there's where you put your roots down. Be with some good people, you know. And then you're going to not be getting yourself into bad behaviours, confused paradigms, defensive strategies, deflection strategies, narcissistic tendencies. Or if you are, it's going to it's going to clean out. Then you've got a foundation. You can you can begin to let developments occur, and things will follow because the jitter does learn. Once it has got some fundamental root in the ground, it will start to learn like a tree. You know, once it's got its roots in the ground, it's going to grow up. You know, that's jitta. So the ground is good people, and hearing some good advice, good dhamma, and then cultivating uh, precepts, uh, clear attention, knowing don't go there, go there, don't look at that, focus on that, don't bother with thinking about that, think about that. And then you're going to start to be able to sculpt a practice out of that. Uh, and so then, you know, then this this is the kind of, you know, kind of like taken for granted, I think, in early Buddhism that that you would that would be there, uh, because although there was plenty of violence and uh, disease, they didn't have the, the tremendous mental afflictions that seem so prevalent in our modern world, because it's a less stressful society. It's a much more um, communal society, it's a much more, you know, friendly, you know, people belong to each other, there are such things as villages and neighbours and families, there's a sense of social bonding, um, you didn't have to commute, nobody has to commute in, in the suitors rush to work, <laughs> so, all this stuff, they were bombarded with you know, free deals from Amazon every day and emails. <laughs> we have to go keep fending off. <laughs> so, you know, in this kind of crazy world, you go, just find some good people. If you can't find it, go and hug a tree. <laughs> because <laughs> that will really do a lot better than just sitting there thinking about crazy stuff. 
And then you say, well, then they thought, right, actually, well, because then, you know, being able to actually touch your own heart is the essence of jhana. And people sometimes can't get there to that place because there's so much, don't even know where it is, you know, or so so closed or defended or, or withdrawn. Uh, 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 do we know we're experiencing jitta? Wonderfully loving and light abode, the degrees of jitta. Well, everything, everything you experience is because of, is through jitta. Um, so, if you look in the Satipatthana teachings, jitta can be affected by hatred, by passion, by warmth, by love, by compassion. It can be contracted, distracted, spun around. It can be anything, really, any color, any flavor. The fact of experiencing, the fact of that there is such a thing as experiencing, that is jitta. Now, distinguishing is distinction made is the, that which we experience pleasure, unhappiness, so, 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 and so. And then there's the fact of experiencing what is it that experiences? What is, what is aware? And that's the kind of step we're encouraging through getting less involved with what we're experiencing, less you know, reactive to it. Uh-uh. Uh, resting in the chitta in the place of no I. How does one do that in practice? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think uh, in meditation. This is, uh, so you know, taking an example. I don't want to say this is the one and only way, but an example is if we are meditating on breathing breathing in and out, we will see that what will occur is predominantly the self-strategy that will come up. One of them is to make to try and get it right. That's a piece of self-strategy. Um, one is to get it right in a hurry. Speed, that's a self-strategy. One is worrying about whether I can get it right. That's a self-phenomenon. Um, it's always the sense of the subject is, is implanting, is intruding into the practice. And so the development is, is it possible through just trial and time and time again to get less and less, you know, lay less and less trips on what you're doing? Just listen up. You know, can it be listening up with as least strategizing, as least judgment, as least straining to get it right? At least, at least that is possible because self is not a single thing. It's a combination of a whole lot of psychological drives towards, you know, towards being something. You know? And those get projected onto, onto experience, onto what we're doing. Could it be that one could just let experience be what it is? And you can practice like that. You know, so you arrange different ways. You can practice just sitting there letting things be exactly what they are. You won't, of course. <laughs> I mean, what will happen is, well, I don't like that. What am I supposed to do now? But then let that be the way it is. And what am I supposed to do? Let that happen. So what happens is these, these self-tendencies come rolling up, come boiling up, and you just, uh-huh, uh-huh, and don't engage. And gradually they, it's like sweating it out. They come up and you sweat them out and they pass. And the next one comes up. 
how long have we been doing this? Am I getting good at this? I am getting good at this. <laughs> Until eventually it just goes quiet because you've, you've said all this to say. <laughs> now, if we're doing breathing, it's helpful because there's something there that actually is quite lovely to, to feel. If, if you really do become a bit quieter, you sense there's some nice, tingly, warm, suffusive energies there. Pretty nice, actually. You know, they, they want to give you something if you just shut up <laughs> and, and be quiet and open. They, they will actually come to you. Uh, so that's that to me is very encouraging. Uh, uh, I think this is the, the, the what jhana's about. It's not supposed to be pushing in. It's about you know something that will actually receive you and gladden you. So your mind is oh that's rather nice, and I don't have to do my stuff all over it. Um, you know, like like anything, you know, it takes time to be selfless. Like you know. It takes time to be timeless. You know, and sort of Zen in the art of archery, you know, you shoot a hundred arrows, and every time you shoot an arrow, the master says, No, too much self in it. No, too much self in it. Trying hard, too much self in it. Not trying hard, too much self in it. Eventually, just bonk, <laughs> the arrow shoots itself. Think, well, there. Yeah. <laughs> it just, you know, there's a process one has to go through of cleaning out. These 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 reflex tendencies, mm-hmm. and uh, but it does help when there's something that will actually call you, you know, like like the energy of breathing will call you in, and so you are encouraged to be a little more quiet and receptive and trust it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a beautiful balance if one can um, um, train in that. Okay, I will, um, I think I'll pause for now.